wish I could, could stand up on Sunday morning. I really do. I wish I could tell you that if you follow the Lord, that everything's going to be just fine. It's going to be, it's the, your, your best life will happen right now. I wish I could stand up and tell you that. Um, but they sent Jesus to the cross. You understand that? That wasn't the best part of his life when he went to the cross. It was the best part for us of his life, that in the empty tomb. But, but Jesus had to be crucified for us to receive our salvation. So if I stand here before you today and tell you that you'll never have any trouble, there's never bound any, come any trouble in your life, then I'm lying to you because you know better. And I would encourage you not to pay attention to anybody who has that sort of bad theology that says if you'll just follow Jesus, you just have more faith. All you need is more faith and this will go away. No, no, no. What if it doesn't? What then? Has God let you down? Has your faith not been strong enough? Did you not do something right? The truth is, Jesus did everything right, and it was God's plan that he be crucified, that he give his life, that there be some serious trouble, which is why the song is so great, that he knows what it's like. He understands. And so, anyway, thank you for sharing that song. We'll, we'll probably use that again in this series as we go through it. It's just, a, it's just a great reminder. As I look out this morning, I know so many of you have experienced trouble. And, and I, I'm thankful that you've, you've shared with me some of those things. I always do appreciate that when you say, hey, I've got something going on in my life and I'm really struggling. And, and, and some of you probably come to me wanting an answer and I just say, I'm sorry that you're going through that. Let's, let's walk through it together. Because <laughs> I don't have the answers. I, I don't have everything that will clear it up and tie it in a nice bow. I wish I did, but I don't. But we can walk through it together, and I'm grateful for that. And uh, this morning, I know that as that song is shared, that there are lots of folks dealing with that trouble that's bound to come. The tears that have been caused by, by whatever. And you may say, well, well, my stuff's really not that big. Sure it is. Sure it is. You, you can pretend like it's not, but it is. It's a big deal. It's just like somebody going in for surgery and you say, oh, that'll be fine. Yeah, it's okay if it's not happening to you, right? That's just the way that it is. And so anyway, I, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that song and for it being shared this morning. We think about the trouble and the pain and the sorrow that you've been through. I wonder if you think back to what you were taught about that stuff when you were growing up. Or what you're teaching now, if you have influence over the lives of young people? What were you taught about how to deal with pain and sorrow? Some, some were probably taught and are teaching, just pretend like it's not there. Oh, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Have you ever heard that? You fall down, you get hurt, you, something happens to you, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And you've got a broken arm, right? Really not fine. No, you're fine. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. But it really hurts really bad. I don't care. But literally, my arm is not there anymore. I don't care. Some of you are taught that. Some of you are taught along the same line to be tough. I'm, you, you can do it. You just, you got to get through it. I'm tough. We do this to, to little boys, and there's a certain amount of health to that, obviously, that life will deal them some things that they just simply have to get through. But sometimes we grow up learning that the answer to pain and sorrow is just to be tougher. You ever figured out that you ain't that tough? Figured that one out yet? 
If you haven't, by the way, it's coming. It's coming. You will learn that lesson that you ain't tough enough. All of us will learn it at some point that you ain't tough enough. Some some were taught, well, don't don't rub it. I remember this when I was playing baseball, and I'd stand in the batter's box and I'd turn and get hit by one, and all the teammates in high school and college, don't rub it, don't rub it, and you're just. I remember getting hit right in the elbow one time in the funny bone, and I couldn't feel my hand for the next inning. And I'm just out there, and I'm like, well, no, I can't move it, much less rub it, you know. And and so you're taught things like that. Don't 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 do anything about about it or others maybe maybe you were taught by a by a granddad or a dad or you're teaching rub some dirt on it that's one of my favorites you got this this big gash in your leg from falling off your bike as a kid i rub a little dirt on it you'll be okay what, what, what? rub some dirt on it and some people really did didn't they your grandpa he comes up and he's got some little solution of something you know where'd you get that don't worry about it and he just puts it on there you know and then Mamaw looks, what are you doing, you know? And so, oh, we got it, you know. Rub some dirt on it. How, what, I wonder what it is that you were taught. Here's how you deal with pain and sorrow. And if you were not taught a true way to get through that, to have joy come through that sorrow, then you are now dealing with those kinds of things in a way that I guarantee you is not healthy. And you know it. And, and so now what do we do? Well, you, you, you try to avoid it. You try to escape it. And you look at where that has gotten us as individuals and as a society, and it's not a real good place. We run, and this is not just people outside the church or outside Christian faith. We, even as believers, we run to things that we believe will dull the pain for just a little while. Whatever it may be. For some, of course, it's some substance, you know, it, you, and you try to hide it, of course, but you, you know, you, you've, you've gotten consumed with alcohol or, or some drug or some substance and you don't know how to get out of it. And yet you show up at church every week and you think maybe that will solve it. And, and then you go back to it and, and you, you, you're trying to numb the pain as best you can. Or maybe it's, it's food or it's busyness or it's pornography and sex or it's some other means of self-medication to say, I, I, this will help me get through this. And because I've been through so much, this is okay. You know how we justify it. Or maybe you're not running to something, but you're, you're avoiding pain and sorrow and anything that could cause it. So you have no deep relationships whatsoever. Because you could get hurt, and you've been hurt before. And so you, everything is just on the surface, and you won't go there with people, and, and you won't have any true friends because they, they might betray you. And so any emotions and conversations are just muted as we sort of try to avoid anything that could cause us sorrow, and we become isolated and stoic. And what are we doing? We're just being tough. I can get through it. The truth is all we've done is make it worse. Because dulling the pain has just led to addictions like we've never seen before in our world. Avoiding the pain leads to depression from isolation and stoicism. And trying to pretend that the pain isn't real has just led to a bunch of broken people who don't know how to handle our issues. I mean, that's, that's where we are, right? You understand? And I'm not talking to people out there. I'm talking to us and me. I mean, that's, that's who we are. And if you're honest, you say, you know what? Something in there is probably true of me. I wonder what sorrow it is that you're experiencing this morning. What sorrow is it that you're trying to numb or dull or avoid or pretend doesn't exist? What is it? It's causing probably some fear and anger and anxiety and 
Certainly it's an annoyance in your life and maybe some regret and bitterness and resentment, maybe some guilt, some things that, that are going on that have caused a problem. I want to let you know there, there's, there's no way around all that stuff. Whatever you're dealing with, there's no way around it. I, I, I remember, and I'll use him as an example because he's my friend. I remember when I first came here and was introduced to Eddie Clyde Hale and his lovely wife Darlene. And it wasn't long after that that she was diagnosed with cancer. And I remember sitting and talking with Eddie Clyde as it was a, a terminal diagnosis and she fought it so bravely for a long time. I remember sitting and talking with him and I said, you know, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know what to tell you. I've not been through this and I know that there's no way around it. But there is a way through it. And I, and I remember as he just nodded and said, yeah, and, and, and that, that's the truth. We're, we're going to go through this. There's no way around maybe what you're facing this morning or what's caused your pain and your sorrow and your difficulties, but there is a way through it. And so this morning, what I want to give you is not trying to change how you feel about what you're going through or what you've been through, what somebody has done to you, or what you've done that has caused your difficulty. I'm not trying to to change how you feel or to get you not to feel, or even to try to say, well, let's just change what has happened. That's already done. You tried all that stuff, and you're just kind of going around in circles and looking for a new answer. So today is not about fighting your sorrow and pretending like it's not there. It's about confronting it with the truth that we see in Scripture in a biblical way. Those things have happened, or you've done things, or things have been done to you, and maybe they're controlling and ruling your life right now. And I wonder if you'd say, you know what, I, I, I'd like to try something different. As that great theologian Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? Right? I want you to look at your outline. You'll see, you'll see something before we put it up on the screen. You, you'll see there it says joy through sorrow, and then there's a blank. I want you to honestly, before, before this pops up on the screen, and I know that it's, some of you have already guessed this because you're so smart, right? You have guessed it, and you're trying to fill out all these things. But right there, there's a little blank. It says only blank can give joy through sorrow. I wonder if you're honest. What have you been putting in there? Seriously. What, what, I wonder if you would say, you know what, all right, no, man, I could fill up the back of the sheet. You know, maybe you'd need to do that. But honestly, what have you been trying to get joy out of and through your sorrow? Maybe for some it's work or it's, it's recreation or whatever. Some of the things that I mentioned. What is it you say, well, only this. Boy, if I could only do this. If I could only have this. If I could only experience this then I'd have joy and things would be okay. The, the, the truth is that real joy can't come through any of those things that we'd put in the blank, save one. And as you probably have already guessed, the truth from the Bible that goes in that blank there is that only Jesus, only Jesus can bring joy through sorrow. Other things might temporarily give you a boost, and there's nothing inherently wrong with many of the things that we enjoy in life. But nothing, nothing, no one, only Jesus can give you joy through sorrow. Why is that? It's because of who he is. It's because of what he gives us. Jesus said over and over, I am this, I am this. He said, I'm the bread of life. 
providing true nourishment. He said, I am the light of the world, changing your darkness into light. I, I am the good shepherd. I know and I care for my sheep. I am the resurrection and the life, the promise of newness, both now and forever. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no need to wonder what to do in life, he says. I am the true vine. He says, anybody who remains in me will bear my kind of fruit. You'll grow up in me. And he says he gives us living water that will never run out. It will feed our souls. He says, I will give you rest. Those who are so worn out by life. That's who Jesus is and that's what he gives us. And none of the other things that we try to put in that blank can do what he does. And so you say, well, how do I get that? (laughs) What do I do? I'd like to try something different. That's where 2 Corinthians comes in today. In chapter 2, if you want to turn there. 2 Corinthians over in the New Testament. Bible's divided, as I tell you each week. Bible's divided in two parts, Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament, for the most part, in most Bibles, will take up about two-thirds of the content, and then the, the, the New Testament is about a third. So if you, if you turn about two-thirds of the way back, you'll hit somewhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, probably. Keep going to the right just a little bit. You'll get to 2 Corinthians. There's a Bible there in your pews. If you, if you didn't bring one, we'd love to, to put one in your hands. The series that we've been doing, as I said, is called No Pain, No Gain. And the idea has been that Paul, the, the guy who wrote this letter to these Corinthians, these people, these Christians in a, in a city called Corinth, he was writing to them after a very difficult time in their relationship. And they had caused him a lot of sorrow. They had caused him a lot of pain. They had done some things and said some things that were not right. And they were living in some ways that they needed to change. And so this is about that. And this letter, by the way, is primarily about Paul. And now he's been dealing with a difficult time as he's tried to help people. And they've just thrown it back in his face. And he's learning that without any pain, there is no gain in his life. And 2 Corinthians chapter 2 is where we are today. We're going to look in verse 5. Paul begins to get very emotional and he begins to get very personal. And he says this in verse 5. If anyone has caused pain, he has not caused pain to me. Now stop there for just a second. Hold on, what? Not caused pain to me. Paul's about to say something that envelops everybody and makes them understand this is not just about me. Understand that about Paul. If anyone has caused pain, he has not caused pain to me, but in some degree, not to exaggerate, to all of you. This is a problem for everybody, he says. The punishment by the majority is sufficient for such a a person. So now you should forgive and comfort him instead. Otherwise, this one may be overwhelmed by excessive grief. Therefore, I urge you to confirm your love to him. It was for this purpose I wrote, so that I may know your proven character if you are obedient in everything. Now to whom you forgive anything, I do too. For what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, it is for you in the presence of Christ so that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his intentions. How can you receive the joy of the Lord even through your difficult times? Even through what Paul faced when someone has hurt you deeply, when things have happened, even when you've done something that has caused the problem. How can we receive joy through sorrow? I'm going to give you three different things this morning that I believe probably at least one of those applies to everybody here. You're struggling with something. One of these things is probably something you need to do today and this week that will begin to open the doors for God's joy to flow to you even in the midst of your sorrow. Number one is to trust. The first one is to trust. Now, I want to go back just a little bit here in in 2 Corinthians. Look back in chapter 1, the very end of chapter 1, verse 23. 
Paul's writing to them and he's telling them, you know, look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do right by you and so on. He says, I call on God as a witness against me. It was to spare you that I did not come to Corinth. He had told them he was going to be there. He didn't show up, but he knew it was just going to make things worse if he went there. And so he said, I'm not, I'm not going to do that to them. He says, not that we have control of your faith, but we are workers with you for your joy because you stand by faith. The first thing Paul is doing when he, when he writes this, he is trusting the Lord in this situation. He says, we don't have control of your faith. I can't control you. You ever try to control somebody? It makes you really weird. It makes them think you're really weird. They're very controlling. Why are they so controlling? You ever, you ever think, well, man, I, I have to have control of every situation. Oh, I just got, I need to be in control. I like to drive, by the way. I like to drive. I don't like other people to drive me. I struggle with that. It's an issue. It's a thing. Jeff, you know. It's a thing. I, you know why? You might know why? Why? Because you're in control. Hmm. Man, I, str- oh, I struggle with that. We, 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 Clint and I went to, to Orlando for a, a conference about church buildings and, and worship and different things. And, and Clint doesn't care. He doesn't, he, he doesn't mind for somebody. He, he's much more mature and spiritually advanced than I am because he, he will allow control just to be given to somebody else. Whew, I'm like, oh, thank you. I'll drive. It's okay. I, oh, I don't mind. You know, if you need me to, if you need a break, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No, I'm, I'm you know, I, I, man, I, so, so this right here, trusting can be so difficult, right? Paul is saying, I'm not in control of your faith. I'm not trying to lord this over you. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm trusting God with this situation. And the truth is, some of us simply need to trust the Lord for what's going on in our lives. And we have long since stopped doing that. And because we feel and we have this illusion, we have some measure of control over what's going on. If I could just do this, if I could just make them think this or do that, then everything would be okay, right? What has your desire for control done to you? It's driven you insane, hasn't it? Doesn't it? Because why? As soon as you get control of something, what else happens? Something you can't control. And then you worry and stew and you're going to figure it out. If I could just get control, it ain't going to happen. Paul is saying, I, I can't, I can't, con- I don't have control of you. I, I've just chosen, I'm going to trust the Lord with all this stuff. This was a difficult situation for Paul. Something bad had happened in their relationship and he wanted it to be fixed, but he couldn't control them. <laughs> we, we want closure, don't we? Oh, if I could just if I could just tie that knot, if I could just control that situation, then I'd feel like everything is okay. We feel like we're entitled to it. We want to control outcomes, and we believe we can, and we want justice, and we believe that we should be able to get it. And when things happen that we can't control, that we can't get closure on, that we can't get justice on, we freak out. We freak out. And I wonder today if the Lord is just simply calling you to trust him. To say, you know what, you're not going to get closure. It's not going to happen. You can't control it. You're just driving yourself nuts. And there will be no justice this side of heaven. No true justice. It's not going to happen. So all those things that you're trying to get, and you say, if I could just get closure, if I could just control this, if I could just get justice, then I would have this problem solved. And the Lord says instead, trust me, and I will give you joy in the midst of what you can't control.
In the midst of the closure you can't get. In the midst of the justice that you'll never receive. I will lead you through it. I wonder today how many of us just seem to say, Lord, I'm okay. I'll trust you. And I'm going to stop my frantic search for closure, for control, and for justice. How does trust cause us sorrow? I ask myself that question because I'm talking about how do you receive joy through sorrow? You've got to be at the end of yourself. Your desires for closure, for control, for justice, boy, that can hurt you. And you can go down in it for a while. But then how does trust bring joy? Because of the one that you're trusting. Because Jesus, because you can rest in Him, He loves you. He will bring ultimate closure one day. Because He is in control of everything. And one day He will bring the justice that you are looking for. You can trust Him. So some of us need to trust. To receive joy through sorrow, some of us need to trust. Secondly, some of us need to repent. Look at, look at verse 5. Chapter 2, verse 5. If anyone has caused pain, he has not caused pain to me, but in some degree, not to exaggerate, to all of you. Somebody's messed up here. Somebody's caused a problem. Something has happened, and maybe in your life, somebody has done something, and that person may be you. And your sorrow and your difficult time is your own fault. Been there? Yeah, been there. Yesterday? Yeah, this morning probably. Yep, been there, causing your own problems. Something that happened 15, 20, 25, 30, 40 years ago, last year, whatever, and you say, I'm still reaping those consequences. Yeah, you've caused your own sorrow in some cases, haven't you? That's the truth. You can admit it, that, that sometimes you're your own worst enemy. Ever, you ever feel that way? I do. Sometimes I cause my own problems. Paul had, had some sorrow caused to him, but, but he's not focused on himself here. He says, it's not really me that, that was the problem. That This has happened to everybody. And so what he's going for is the big picture. Look, I'm not looking for vengeance and retribution. I want this person to repent. Paul's saying the problem has been caused and that person needs to repent. They don't have to pay everybody back. They just need to repent. And ultimately he did, this, this, this person who caused the, the issue. But the truth is, sometimes our greatest sorrows are caused by things we won't repent of. We won't turn from it's, it's belief. Listen, the, the greatest sorrow that we cause ourselves, either this side of heaven or always, certainly on the other side of heaven, is our unbelief in Jesus Christ. Period. Now, it may appear as if those who do not believe in Jesus Christ have their best life now. And you know what the truth is? They do. They, they, this is the best it will ever get for them. Because as the saying goes, it is downhill from here. For those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. Don't take my word for it. Read it in scripture. It's a place called hell. Torment and eternal separation from God. Which is probably worse than a torment. And for Christians, believers in Jesus, your best life awaits you. One day. One day. Not now. One day. And so we have this issue that we are causing by our own set of false beliefs. Maybe we're causing our own sorrow or by our behaviors or our attitudes or our habits or the words we say. And we're causing the problem. Repentance can feel like I'm just admitting defeat and that makes me feel bad. Repentance is the idea that I'm changing my mind and I'm going a different direction. 
and I say that is wrong and that is leaving, I'm leaving that behind and I will go toward what is right. That's what repentance is. Joy comes through repentance. We see that over and over in Scripture. In Acts chapter 3, we are told that during during some preaching, the call was to repent and to be converted, to be transformed by the power of Jesus, so that your sins may be blotted out, I believe the King James says, and that times of refreshing can come from the Lord. It, it is through repentance that we receive the refreshing of the Lord. Sometimes that sin is killing you. And I'll say this as a believer in Jesus Christ. If you have sin in your life that you have not repented of, guess what? You will be miserable. Miserable. I've told you this before. I have people who come to me and... Marital counseling, we need, you know, need some help. And, well, you know, the, the, my spouse won't come with me, but would you talk with me? Yes. And, and I, I, you know, I will hear about the story. Well, this person is doing this or that or whatever. And, and, I, and, and sometimes my prayer literally is, Lord, if that person is truly a believer in, in Jesus, make them as miserable as you can. Just make them miserable in their sin. Just make it so awful that they come to the realization like the prodigal son did. What am I doing here in the pigsty? I'm going back home. Repentance is what brings that. And by the way, in that great story, you know what the father was doing? Looking for his son. You know what happened when he saw him? Took off running. And he just embraced him. Some of us think, well, if I repent and turn from this sin, God's going to hate me. God already knows about your sin. And if you want to know if He hates you, look at the cross. He hates sin, but He loves you. Maybe it's time to repent. Trust, repent. Thirdly, maybe it's time to forgive. First two, okay. All right, okay, tracking with you. I got you. And this is where you wish you hadn't shown up today. I'm going to shoot you straight. Okay, all right. Trust, all right, good, all right. I just need to trust the Lord. Okay. Repent, yeah, all right, yeah, man, that stuff, I, I admit it. That stuff's not good. Don't need to do it. Then we get to forgive. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Forgive? Do you know what they did to me? In some cases, yeah, I do. I do know what they did to you. In other cases, nope. And you're still going to stand up there with the audacity to tell me to forgive? Yep. Here I am. Verse 5. If anyone has caused pain, he's not caused pain to me, but in some degree, not to exaggerate, to all of you. So pain has been brought to everyone. The punishment by the majority is sufficient for such a person. The punishment, by the way, was excommunication. They threw him out of the church. They, they, they exercised what's called church discipline. This guy had caused some problems and at the time was unrepentant and they said, fine, get out. They treated him as if he was no longer part of the church. But... Now, Paul says, verse 7, you should forgive and comfort him. You know why? Because he had, he had turned from it. Otherwise, this one may be overwhelmed by excessive grief. Therefore, I urge you to confirm your love to him. It was for this purpose I wrote so that, that I may know your proven character if you are obedient in everything. Here's what Paul is doing. He's telling him, look, punishment's already been handed out. That's been taken care of. Now it's time to forgive, to comfort and to encourage the one who's hurt you. Whoa, hold on. 
hold on a second. How? By reaffirming your love. What kind of love is he talking about? He's not talking about, oh man, I tell you what, what you did was all right, it's no big deal. When we say that we have forgiven someone, we are saying simply, I cancel that debt, you no longer owe me. It's not the flip side, which we sometimes confuse. If, if Clint does something to me and comes to me and says, I'm sorry for what I did. What is my typical, in our, in our first response, the first words out of our mouths, uh, 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 lots of times are what? I'm sorry, and somebody says, I'm sorry, you say, it's okay. No, it ain't. No, dude, what you did was wrong. Uh, and, and we both recognize it was wrong. And I choose to forgive you and you no longer owe me for that. Because here's the deal. Guess what? Whatever it was that he did to me, can he change it? <laughs> can he truly pay me back for whatever it was that he, that he stole from me? Can, can he truly reimburse me for my trouble? No. He is in debt to me. And what is the only thing that can happen? It can be canceled. He will spend his entire life trying to pay me back. When Jesus went to the cross, you know what he did? He canceled the sin debt. He canceled it. That's why we say it's Jesus plus nothing. Ain't Jesus plus pay him back. Good luck with that one. Doesn't happen. Forgiveness is an act of the will, not necessarily accompanied by great emotion. Love, comfort, come from obedience. I will choose to love in action by forgiving this person. And any time it comes to mind that that person did something to me, I will say again, that has been forgiven. And I will no longer dwell on it. I will no longer hold that against that person. Does that mean, however, that reconciliation will happen? No, no, no. Not always. Forgiveness is a one-way street. Reconciliation is two. And in some cases, what has happened to you, and don't misread me here, what has happened to you does not need to have reconciliation right now or maybe ever. God's best is always reconciliation, but on this side of heaven, folks, sometimes it just ain't possible. If someone has done something to you or if someone has done something to your children or whatever, they can be forgiven, but it may not need to be something where you coexist anymore. I get that. But forgiveness is certainly always possible. I was reading this week in a, in a book by a guy named John MacArthur, and he, he talked about forgiveness. And he said, here are ten reasons to forgive, and I'm just going to read them to you very quickly. He said, you are never more like God than when you forgive. Not only that, but it's also commanded that we forgive. <laughs> forgive one another, the Bible says. He said, any wrong done to us is insignificant compared to the wrong done to the Lord. So don't make it about yourself. We have been forgiven big, he said. And so we can forgive anything. If we don't forgive, we forfeit fellowship with other believers. That's the truth. Especially within the church. Failure to forgive brings God's discipline in our lives. God will not forgive believers who refuse to forgive others. Jesus put that, by the way, the tagline at the end of this, the Lord's Prayer. Failing to forgive makes it impossible for us to worship. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if you find that, you, that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift at the altar. Don't even start to worship. Don't even go to church. Go make that right. Go get forgiveness. Go forgive. Refusing to forgive is like taking the authority of God into our own hands. And then he said, finally, offenses against believers are to be recognized and embraced as trials that strengthen our faith. 
Things like pride and self-protection and the desire for justice can keep us from forgiving. Or maybe, well, they haven't apologized. You realize in some cases, they never will. Some of the folks that we need to forgive are dead. Apology ain't happening, by the way. Some of the folks that we need to forgive don't care. They ain't going to apologize. It ain't going to happen. And there can be some great sorrow that comes through forgiveness. Because you realize you're not going to get what you want. An apology, justice, payback, the chance for retaliation, to make them suffer as you have suffered. But it's through forgiveness that that sorrow can lead to joy. Because it sets you free. The most free people I know are the folks that forgive most freely. They, they are just free. So you may need to trust. You need to repent. may need to forgive. In your sorrow, there's likely one of those three things that needs to happen today or maybe all of them, to begin the process of, re- of bringing joy through your sorrow, to trust, to repent, to forgive. A question for you and for me is, which one today? Let's pray together. As the song said earlier that Danny sang, reach out to Jesus and hold on tight. He's been there before and he knows what it's like. This morning, maybe you need to just simply reach out to Jesus and say, Lord, take control of my life. I know who you are. You're the Son of God, the one who died to forgive me of my sins, the one who was raised again to give me eternal life, and I place my life in your hands. Trust Him. Maybe there's a sin to repent of this morning, and the Lord has broken you over it. You say, all right, God, I'm done with it. Give me your strength to be obedient. Or maybe there's something to forgive. The sorrow in your life is so overwhelming and there is only one way through it and that is to forgive, to receive joy. Make a decision this morning.